Welcome to where the big boys play. Welcome to 20 years of Nitro worldwide. Worldwide. Our post-Nitro bonus show where we dive into the dirt sheets and check out the other channel as we round up the week in wrestling that was October 28th to November 3rd, 1996. I am your host, Tim Root, and with me, as always, is my broadcast colleague, Dave Amantorp. How are you doing this week, Dave? How do you like that retro futuristic jam we got going Holy on? Holy shit. I will have a lot to say about that in just a moment. It's fucking awesome. I'm yes. so excited that everyone just got to hear that for the first time. Uh, I've listened to it. By the time that this drops, uh, I will have listened to that song approximately like a thousand times. <laughs> right. I've listened to it for like entire uh, car trips to and from work. It takes me like 25 minutes to get to work. That song's 30 seconds long. Mm-hmm. I just hit play over and over and over and again. And if it's so, if your first reaction is like, what on earth did I just listen to? Just listen to it a couple of times. It grows on you really quickly. Yeah. Also, uh, to give you a point of reference, uh, and maybe I'll just drop it in here uh, in a second. But you might want to listen to the WCW Worldwide theme song from the actual syndicated Worldwide television show. Uh, That was uh, a take on it. But again, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, before we get too far into things, I do want to just let everyone know, as we talked about in a couple past episodes, that this is the first of our new format uh, bonus episodes, which will follow our regular Nitro reviews. Uh, so it, I, kind of each episode is a companion piece to the Nitro review that preceded it. So mm-hmm. this is the companion to our review of Nitro episode 59. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, if this popped up in your feed as a new episode and maybe you're backed up a little bit, you're definitely going to want to listen to the October 28th, 1996 Nitro review before you listen to this, uh, as this is kind of uh, the way that I'm looking at it is we're going to talk about what happened on Raw. We'll do the Observe This, where we go through the Observer and we talk about things happening throughout the wrestling world. Uh, we'll also take an opportunity to talk about stuff that maybe is in more of the modern wrestling scene. Uh, we're not going to become like a, a modern wrestling podcast. It's just right. we're going to it's a little more of a free flowing conversation. We're going to talk about whatever comes to mind a little bit uh just something to to keep us in your hearts baby before we come back with with more <laughs> of that nitro action that you love <laughs> so before we move on to what else happened in wrestling uh that autumn week of 1996 i do want to remind you that you can follow us on twitter at 20 years of nitro you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash 20 years of nitro and of course you can always email the show at 20 years of nitro at gmail.com so the first order of business uh, I want to give credit where credit is is greatly due. That wonderful theme, uh, how it came about. So there is a few. Co- I listen to a ton of mostly most of the podcasts I listen to are comedy related. Yeah, uh, I listen to Comedy Bang Bang. That's a big one. Uh, there's a few times they use music on that show. They use like themes for when they they do something when they're going to do plugs at the end of the show. They 
open up or they close up the plug bag. That's always a thing. Mm-hmm. Or there's plug themes that people send in. There's just little occasions for music. And I believe that Comedy Bang was, was the first place that I'd ever heard the name Eastman Presser, which okay. uh, sounds like a fake name. I believe it's the gentleman's real name. I haven't actually directly asked him that question, but I believe mm-hmm. that's his name is Eastman Presser. He sounds like one of the guys that came up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Sure. <laughs> it sounds like a record label or something, I always thought. An, or it's like it's a, a thing that makes records, the Eastman Presser. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, so then, um, my favorite podcast, I think I mentioned on the show before is one called Hollywood handbook. Yes. I've uh, heard that before. Yes. And I'm a huge fan of that. And those guys actually started another podcast that is NBA focused called the flagrant ones. Uh, Hmm. it's a Patreon only podcast. So don't just go look for it in your iTunes. You need to actually subscribe through Patreon. Oh, I was up here and now you brought (laughs) me back down here. And on that show, they brought in another amazing comedian improviser, a Los Angeles based guy named Carl Tart. And Carl Tart is a huge County Bang Bang fan. Mm-hmm. And so on the flagrant ones, he would start making specific requests to Eastman Presser, whose name he had heard from County Bang Bang, <laughs> saying sure. like, hey, I want you to make grooves for this or yeah. I want you to make music for that. And he would start setting up all these ridiculous comedic premises like he would fake f- one side of a phone call with Eastman Presser. Mm-hmm. And then when Eastman makes the song, he has to like fill in the other side of that phone call and add like a funky jam to it. and i just i love the music this guy makes and the way that he is turning like in in like less than a week's time he's turning in these insane bits these guys are throwing at him into these these great tunes Mm -hmm. uh and i i'm always loving them and so i just asked him on twitter i was like hey can i commission you to make a podcast theme song for me Mm -hmm. and he was he was really excited i think at the chance to actually get some fucking money for all the work he does (laughs) because these guys are raking in the patreon dollars uh and and i don't think they're paying him shit he's just contributing to their show because uh the kindness of his heart he's he's a fan oh that's the thing where it's like it's the exposure baby yeah well i don't (laughs) think they're taking advantage i mean they're just doing it mostly be funny and he is voluntarily providing them with this content but yeah yeah okay um so i i you know wanted to have him do this and i knew you know it's not like he's a fan of ours he's he's uh, a fan of theirs so i was like mm-hmm. if he's gonna do it for us we're gonna need to show him the scratch you know <laughs> right <laughs> so uh what i did was i when I, we were coming up with the ideas for this i was looking at different ideas for music and i actually found the wcw worldwide theme mm-hmm. from the wcw syndicated show worldwide it's awesome it's excellent um, but I didn't want to just use like that uh, copyrighted music. Plus, it's like two minutes long and doesn't have like an ending that would kind of throw us right into a podcast. Sure. So it, it just came to my mind, like, why don't I ask Eastman Presser to make a version that's in his like house style of this theme? Yeah. And we bandied some ideas back and forth. He shot me like some an idea and I thought it was great. I asked for a couple of things. I said, throw in Michael Buffer, mm-hmm. not knowing that he was going to do just that amazing job of chopping it up and like using Michael Buffer as an instrument in the song. Yeah. Uh, which is just the highlight of the whole thing for me. Like you're, um, you're thinking it was just like going to be a lead in. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it would be like either probably before the music even started. You right. hear it. So the way he did it was just incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so follow the man on Twitter at Eastman presser. And if you have any need for a stanky ass beat, <laughs> <laughs> please contact the man and pay him pay him whatever he wants because uh jesus it's so worth it like i i whenever i hope I, he's listening to this episode just so he can get a, a sense of how much i really really like it because right. i always 
I always, I don't know, I'm just, I'm a person, I'm in my head, I'm neurotic, so when I'm writing something and I'm being sincere, mm. I always feel like I they're going to think I'm lying. Right. Like, oh, I can't <laughs> use an exclamation point. Like, I, like, I'm not the kind of person who would use an exclamation point, so that's right. going to look fake. It's stupid. No one actually thinks that when they're reading something, but, mm-hmm. uh, so I hope he listens. I hope he knows how much I really appreciate the work that went into that just incredible theme. So, uh, on to business our regular business. I think the first thing that we'll do each uh, each episode on these these worldwide episodes is the first thing we'll do is change the channel over to USA because it's time for our Raw Recap. And the way I say that sounds like there's a good theme song for that. There's not. Right. Uh, if anyone <laughs> wants to make one, please do. Uh, I, I would make one myself like I did the Observe This song, but like now that I heard that, I'm so self-conscious of how bad my playing around a garage band is like but uh yeah raw recap we'll we'll we'll, we'll get a theme somebody somewhere somebody somewhere probably Somehow, probably me <laughs> eventually will make a raw recap theme right or we'll just grab the like last few seconds of the raw theme with that like uh saxophone solo into the siren that they were using around this time yeah which actually sounds pretty cool that is pretty sweet Uh, so maybe we'll just use that. But anyway, in Raw this week, October 28th, Jesse James, the real Double J, defeated Salvatore Sincere. Which, uh, to me, the highlight was uh, Vince McMahon keep calling him Jeff Jarrett by accident. <laughs> and then uh, the King was o- the king kept correcting him. Yeah. But he also did it in a way where he was like, oh, so are you saying that he's the real Double J? Right, right, right. So, but uh, yeah, so because <laughs> I ended up watching this show. But that, that was just, other than that, completely worth this match this uh falls into like a period where i am the most unfamiliar with wwf mm-hmm. like i watched wwf growing up not wcw but this was a period i just wasn't watching so i've actually never seen this version of jesse james mm-hmm. i came in in 99 when he was like the stoner south park loving character like yeah. very far removed from this country singer stuff right like he was much more it's not like DX talked about music a lot, but from the character, I would have guessed that he was into hip hop. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's weird to see him come out dressed like a cowboy. That yeah. was very off-putting to me. Well, I mean, to me, because I, I was a New Age Outlaws fan from, like, day one. Sure. Um, and I liked them because, like, they were two, those two guys were two complete misfits. Right, And they yes. needed each other just to have some sort of semblance of, like, a career path for themselves. Yeah. And so, what right now, when we're seeing the real double J we're seeing what gets him to the point in which he's a misfit. Ah, yes. This is not the highlight of his career. (laughs) Uh, In the second match of the evening crush, who is now doing a uh, gimmick where he's, it's uh, based on his real life. He's an ex con. Mm -hmm. He's got like a fake prison tattoo on his face. He's got uh, like braids in his hair. Yeah. Uh, He is coming out and he's like a dark disturbed character now. Mm -hmm. And he beats up Aldo Montoya. And then he, uh, fights a planted security guy who is like way bigger than any other security guy he's clearly a wrestler in training right <laughs> but he pulls him yeah he has some kind of he's like yelling at a kid and then the security guy gets in the way and so crush pulls him over the railing and beats the crap out of him mm-hmm. uh crush is a really interesting one um uh, a book that everyone should read and i wish i remember the name um but the book is by david shoemaker 
So just look for David Shoemaker's book uh, on wrestling. It's called like Inside the Squared Circle or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he writes about dead wrestlers. Like every chapter is just about a dead wrestler. And the one on Crush is really interesting because he talks about how they kept bringing Crush back every few years. And it was always under a new gimmick. But his name would still be Crush. Yeah. But they would act like it was a new person. <laughs> there was Demolition Crush. Then there was Kona Crush. Uh Kona Crush was the only one where there was some continuity because then he became like Japanese Trader Crush. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was like Japanese Trader Crush and Kona Crush were the same guy. He just turned heel. Uh, then he comes back as Prisoner Crush. And then in the future, he comes back as a uh, Chronic. Yeah. And like every time other than Chronic, he, they didn't call him Crush when he was in Chronic. But like he kept coming back as characters named Crush who were completely separate from all the other characters named Crush. It was bizarre. Which is weird because I didn't really, I never considered that they were supposed to be different because even as a kid watching that, I understood it was like, oh, he's just like a dude, like he's changed. Like it's Crush, but like he's gone, like some fucked up things happened when he was gone, like he went to jail. I always always thought that he was supposed to be like the same character. It's not like they told you it wasn't the same character, so you were definitely allowed to think that. It was just they didn't acknowledge it on screen at all. Sure. They weren't like, hey, this guy from Hawaii who loves crushing things is that guy from Demolition you might remember briefly. Right. (laughs) It was just like, hey, here's Crush. He's from Hawaii. He likes crushing things, and that's all you need to know. (laughs) Uh, Billy Gunn defeated Freddie Joe Floyd. This is uh, Billy Gunn is a newly heel character. Mm-hmm. He is uh, ditched out on his brother Bart from the Smoking Guns, and they've got some uh, issues here. Sonny is on commentary. Bart actually comes out during the match. Uh, I don't quite remember. I, I I watched this, but I wasn't like fully invested in it. Sure. Uh, and in, again, this is uh, so. This is Billy Gunn in his uh, gradual downward spiral before he becomes a new age outlaw. <laughs> In the biggest match on paper, certainly, and, and definitely the best match on Raw, mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels defeated the British Bulldog via DQ after Owen Hart in- interfered. Uh, it was a pretty good match. I thought it was certainly the best on the show. Um, and if you listened to the rest of the results before that, you would be surprised right. that, that was the best match in the yes. show. Uh, but Shawn Michaels and Psycho Sid then fought them off. They're doing a thing. They're leading up to a match at Survivor Series, but they're both baby faces. But they're buds. And uh, this is a week after Sean came and helped Sid, and Sid thought that Sean was there to attack him, and they got in a little scuffle. So the same thing happens here. Sid comes out to save Sean. He accidentally, clearly accidentally elbows Sean, but Sean doesn't know it's an accident. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're going to have a tag team match next week where they face the tag team champion, British Bulldog, (laughs) Owen Hart. (laughs) I was about to say. I can figure out where this is going. Yes, so yeah. we we're going to get Dave's favorite thing, the tag team champions that are feuding with each other. Oh, I mean, if... If they win. If yeah, they win, which I yeah. don't believe they do if memory serves, yeah, but yeah. we'll, we'll the see The reluctant sure. tag team champions yes. is one of the worst gimmicks of all time. <laughs> uh, so that's what's going on in kind of the main event storyline. But in the thing that is probably attracting the most interest, or certainly is from my perspective, uh, they're doing a thing all night, and this is something new that raw tries for a while we'll we'll see it in a big way next week uh they're trying now to kind of get ahead of spoilers a little bit they're still doing pre-taped matches all the matches that we just talked about were taped previously uh but they do live segments via satellite that are kind of beamed in throughout raw to give it a more unpredictable feel something that you couldn't have read about ahead of time sure something that's being filmed live Mm -hmm. and what that angle is this week 
is they uh, have Bret Hart, who is live via satellite from his home in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And he's playing with a kitten, too. He has a little kitty on his on his lap, just like Teddy Hart or Natalia. Like, that family loves cats. Yeah. That, uh, was, that was the only thing I got from him, by the way. <laughs> Uh, so he's there, and he is going to be giving some interviews uh, in opposition to his Survivor Series opponent, mm. Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is actually at uh, WWE headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut, which gives his character a nice little reason to be pissed off. He had to fly to Connecticut right. to do this, whereas Hart's allowed to do it from his house. It, it's really nice for the character to find those little things to have the chip on his shoulder. Um, and this is fucking awesome. Like I said, I wasn't watching at this point. But, like, this is where Steve Austin is really starting to find that character, the Stone Cold thing. And it's just great. He's pissed off. He's mad. He thinks Hart's getting preferential treatment. He thinks Hart's ducking him, won't face him. So they have a little bit of McMahon tries to conduct an interview. They do a little bit of trash talking. Brett's the cool, calm, collected. He's not even trash talking. He's like, well, I respect Steve Austin. He's a great wrestler, but, you know, I'm going to beat him, blah, blah, blah. Right. But Austin is just flying off the handle. He gets super mad. He gets so mad he starts, like, beating up stagehands and throwing stuff around. And mm-hmm. Vince is doing his big announcer, like, ho, ho, Stone Cold's looking pretty mad. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that's Raw in a nutshell. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> no. No, I was saying this. Uh, I was talking to my brother, and I was like, so the thing is, we are right now in the midst of like that 83-week uh, yes. um, Nitro for Raw. And to me, it's like they have such a clear stranglehold, in my opinion. Like Raw has to really present something that's considerably better than Nitro yes. in order to win. And this is considerably worse. Yeah, we haven't done it in a long time. Not since um, we did our year in review episodes where we watched an episode of Raw. And that was like in August, yeah. I think. And that one wasn't. Uh, as bad, I don't think. But like mm-hmm. watching tonight, uh, both episodes of each show, I really was got a sense of the disparity of even though some weeks we say like that Nitro wasn't very good and I've got these issues with it. Yeah, it is far and away the more entertaining show, despite being twice as long. Oh yeah, uh, these like pre-tape matches with with the uh, the guys that WCW has in ninety or w, excuse me WWF has in ninety six, where they're like not quite jobbers. I mean, they are jobbers, but mm. as opposed to the jobbers of yesteryear, they've been given names and gimmicks. Yeah. Like Salvatore Sincere, Aldo Montoya, Freddie Joe Floyd. Yeah. Uh, but like, they just suck. They're just, I think squash matches are okay and have their place. And honestly, I'd like to see them come back a little bit in 2019 more than they are right now. They're, they're effective if they're executed right. Yeah. Like I, I, when Braun Strowman went through a long, line of uh just going through jobbers. Yeah, yes. um, that one was really it's well done as long as it's like the whole like as long as the presentation is done right. Right. I like it when it's like a squash match when it's like, oh my God, this person is going to die. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be like that, not like, oh, he's facing a guy that's not good at wrestling. Yeah. Or a guy who's like given just enough offense to be like, well, if this other guy always wins and this shitty guy always loses, like mm-hmm. why is Salvatore Sincere getting so much offense against Jesse James? Right. I know Salvatore Sincere sucks. He loses every match. Yeah. Why is it good to see the guy I'm supposed to cheer get his butt whipped by him for five minutes? Yeah, no, I, I think squash matches should be where it's like the person that loses looks like they might have to reconsider their options yeah. for in their life pretty much. I was like, wow, I mean, if I looking back at it, Nitro is considerably better than Raw 
it's winning and it's winning for a reason. Yes, too. definitely. Uh, so let's talk about that winning over in our ratings roundup. Raw came in tonight with a 2.0 and Nitro had a composite score of 3.5. Uh, a 3.7 in the first hour and a 3.3 in the second hour um, probably didn't help to keep telling everyone that you were going to show them something that they may have already seen on the pay-per-view mm-hmm. in the Piper segment. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they didn't really have an announced main event, the Luger-Booker thing kind of came out of nowhere. So yeah. I'm not super surprised that they went down in the second hour this week. Because I, I feel like if you're watching Nitro up until 10 or 15 minutes before the main event, yeah, you could get a feeling like, I don't. I don't think anything really important is going to happen. Right. Because, like you said, there's not an announced main event, and and they they don't give an indication except like if you just make sure to hear that one time in which Eric Bischoff says, "Oh, Hogan to ask for time." Right. You know, unless you hear that, they don't. They never put up like a little promo thing or anything like that. So it's un, I. It's totally understandable when people kind of turn off early. Now. We start getting, uh, and I think we'll get more of this in the future, where Meltzer is getting like um, what he calls, or what are called, uh, quarter ratings, where he gets every 15 minutes, yeah. so he can tell you more specifically segment to segment what happened. So he says here that the Piper Hogan segment went against Shawn Michaels and Davy Boy Smith. Uh, at that point, the WCW edge was 3.4 to 2.1. Uh, and he notes that when Bret Hart and Steve Austin were going face-to-face with Benoit and Malenko, the edge was 3.1 to 2.1. So we do see that... Wait, which, you said Benoit and Malenko. Uh, Benoit Guerrero, excuse oh, me. okay. So during that Chris Benoit Guerrero match, the edge, that the lead that WCW had shrunk by 0.2 ratings points. So okay. a few hundred thousand people seemingly switched over to watch Austin Hart, which makes sense. That's like the best thing going in WWF right now. Yeah, so it still shows that the ratings are driven by the big names too. Absolutely. Uh, So this is the 18th straight head-to-head ratings victory (laughs) for Nitro, Uh, going back to June. Yeah, that's also what I was saying to my brother. I was like, we got a ways to go before the streak breaks. Right. (laughs) It's like 18 months still. We've only just begun with this domination. So that brings us to a little segment that we like to call Observe This. Observe This, brother! This is what we call a rag sheep. sheep. So the first thing we get in the Observer this week are the poll results from Observer readers for WCW Halloween Havoc. 64.5% gave the show a thumbs up, with 21.8% giving a thumbs down, and 13.6% giving a thumbs in the middle. Hmm. I think I'd probably have been in the middle, honestly. I didn't think it was very good, but I don't think I would quite say that it was bad. I mean, if you're talking like, if you're talking like, a, C, or F. I think yeah. I would be closer to a C. Sure. I mean, like, a thumbs in the middle doesn't really sound like you're making much of a, like, a comment on it. Yeah, sure. Um, that's, that's like, none of the above or something like that. I don't know. But, I, I mean, I would tend to, I would tend to think the same way. I mean, I don't, th- it definitely wasn't one of the greatest pay-per-views I've seen. Yeah. And it's not the worst pay-per-view I've seen. Um, there's a lot of good matches. It's like, I feel like all the good is kind of like, overshadowed by how terrible the main event was. Sure. But if you cut out the main event and just look at the rest of it, I think it's a pretty decent show. Now, the best match poll went uh, 
unsurprisingly, to <laughs> Rey Mysterio Jr. and <laughs> Dean Malenko. Right, right. And the worst match poll by a pretty significant margin went to Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. Right. And, yeah, when we talked about it on our last show, or on on that actual uh, pay-per-view, that was 100% agreement. <laughs> yes. <there. laughs> Uh, so perhaps the biggest news in the Monday Night Wars is the following development, and this was mentioned on Raw. I'm not, they did not talk about it much, so if you missed this, it would not surprise me. Uh, did you get that next week they're starting an hour earlier? No, I missed that part. Yeah, they mentioned it maybe twice in the entire show. Okay. Uh, so Raw is moving up an hour from 9 p.m. Eastern to 7.57 Eastern. Uh, currently, WCW, in theory anyway, we have seen that in practice this is not necessarily the case, but in theory, WCW can use their first hour to build up the second hour mm-hmm. when they go head to head. They can promise you all these big angles and appearances and stuff like that. Yeah. So now it'll be the first hour of Nitro that's head to head with Raw, which in theory, again, will uh, draw away WCW viewers and not allow that. They'll have to start stacking the first hour of the show. Mm-hmm. And then maybe people just figure they've seen all the big stuff and don't even watch the second hour. That's sort of the gamble that that Vince is making here. But. I mean, so I mean, you're saying so you're saying the one hour raw will be against the first hour nitro. Right? Yes, correct. So that would be like we're gonna make sure that their second hour doesn't do well, but their first hour will continually beat us. It's it's almost a no win proposition for WWF until they can also go two hours, which we know they will eventually do. I, I mean, but I until guess, they can do that, it's kind of a pick your poison. I guess there's like that that advantage you said, like where they're starting three minutes early. Yes. So that's something where there's like we just gotta like come roaring out of the gates, yeah. sort of thing. It's almost certain, though. Meltzer says, and I'm pretty sure that he ends up being right that Nitro is just gonna start doing the same thing. Uh, Ted Turner pretty much invented that. That's why Saturday night always started at like 8:05 Eastern. Okay. He loved. Uh, it's. I think I'm trying to remember where I got this fact. I think it's in the Nitro book by Guy Evans. They talk to some Turner programming executives who say Turner loved doing that because if you started everything five minutes early or five minutes late, then people would like stick with your channel because when you're sh- when that show is done, if they change the channel, anything else is already g- they're going to be five minutes into whatever that show is. Oh, so they're sure. more likely to just stick with whatever is on Turner because at least they're at the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, makes sense. Yeah. So basically, so basically, Raw is going to be playing into what Ted Turner wants to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a tough call. I think that, like I said, they're go- it's a tough call either way, and I think they just like their chances against the first hour of Nitro mm-hmm. better than they like it against the second hour. Yeah, and I think it's it's all that they can do at this point besides also go to two hours. Right. Yes, and Raw. Uh, like I said, and like we've seen, they're going to start doing more live angles that, you know, via satellite or in a studio, whatever they can do to try to give you something that you didn't hear about, you didn't expect every week. So we'll see. Uh, Like I said, I know there's a big one next week, and I don't really know beyond that how long that trend kind of continues until they start doing, instead of, I think, like taping four Raws, I think they start doing every other week is taped. And they do that for like years until they go full live. Brian Pillman had another surgery on his ankle on October 23rd. It didn't heal correctly the first time, so they had to re-break it and start over, Hmm. which is, ugh, that just is the worst. Uh, It will be at least six months, supposedly, until he can wrestle again. So they filmed a big angle. It was on Superstars this past Saturday where Austin put Pillman out 
uh, Pillman like mentioned Bret Hart in a positive way, and Austin just went nuts. Yep. This is where the Pillmanizing yep. uh, phrase mm-hmm. comes in, where he puts uh, his his ankle between a chair and then comes off the ropes and stomps on the chair and yep. snaps that ankle. It's also just very unfortunate for the fact that it's like we I think we know why it didn't reheal properly. It's because he didn't give it the rest it needed. Yes, sure. Uh, Meltzer notably says about the Austin stuff with Pillman and then the stuff that he did on Raw tonight. Quote, Austin is working really hard to get his character over, and it seems to have broken him out of the pack into a genuine headliner. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, uh, it's, it's definitely early in that process, but yeah, he is really, this is Austin finding his own. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure anyone listening to this knows that Survivor Series match ends up being just awesome it's so good it i mean i know that the wrestlemania 13 i quit match is far yeah. more iconic yes but the summer the survivor series match is just a better match i agree um, i agree and not only that but i was also saying that like they there's that in your house that's after uh-huh. wrestlemania 13 in which they do an, an like a false count anywhere match between the two. Oh, i didn't also know. very underrated match interesting um i would and also i just as kind of a side note, just by going back and watching like this in 96 and, yeah. and knowing that like, um, and I just, as a fan, I wasn't a big fan of Steve Austin cause he was going against Bret Hart. Right. But, um, just watching it nowadays, I, f- I just feel like his promos have not aged very well. Personally, I feel like he, he depends a lot on shouting mm. and cursing a lot. Um, it just, the, there's not a lot of substance to what he says. It's a, it's mainly mm. just kind of shock value sort of stuff. But, sure, um, so that is spoken like a Bret Hart fan. That's that's <laughs> that's also true. That's also true. I mean, this is also admitting that Bret Hart almost never gives good promos. So. <laughs> sure, if that's what you're looking for, that's why I'll say it. I'll say it. Mean Gene and WCW are close to a deal. So close, in fact, that tonight was originally scheduled to be his return, uh, but the deal has still not been signed. There's a few, I guess, tease left to cross and eyes left to dot. Hmm. Dave believes that the offer is for $180,000 to work five dates a month, uh, being the Nitros and the monthly pay-per-view, and he doesn't believe that that offer right now, or he doesn't think that Gene uh, is going to have to have any office or hotline duties. Apparently that's something that Gene has been kind of wanting off his plate, I guess. Oh, he doesn't like? I thought that, I thought that was always his thing. I mean, he's getting older. You know, he might be just looking to get a really nice salary for very little work who could blame him uh, let me just take a, a quick look here just to give you an idea hundred eighty thousand nowadays is almost three hundred thousand dollars so a good living for 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 five days <laughs> five days that that's really good living especially since even those days that he's working yeah he's only on tv for a few minutes yeah Definitely. Although I'm, I I I have no grasp as far as like how much work he does that's sure. on TV, but still, if it's like five days a month, you said five days a month, or five days a week. Yeah, five days a month. Five he would, days. A you month. would come in for each Nitro and yeah. then the pay per view. Okay, I'm just saying, Gene, you should take the deal. <laughs> Over on WWF syndicated shows, vignettes have started airing for a young man named Rocky Maivia. What's got Rocky Maivia so pumped up? His long-awaited World Wrestling Federation debut. What's it going to feel like to walk through that curtain, to enter the pallet halls of MSG, and to see the squared circle there ready to compete with your teammates at the uh, Survivor Series? And I tell you, it's a feeling of elation right now. I'm so jacked right now. I mean, I could do it right now. And making it all the more special is Madison Square Garden, site of some of his family's greatest triumphs. 
That's where my grandfather made his name, where my father made his name. Rocky unloaded some heavy artillery. The thing about it is, when I go out and I see 23,000 people scream my name, and I think these are 23,000 people that have screamed my grandfather's name 20 years ago. Look at Peter Maivia go. My father's name 10 years ago. The Rock getting a big ovation. It's going to be a pretty intense feeling. You could say it will be similar to the feeling that Rocky had recently when introducing his father into the prestigious Cauliflower Alley Club in Tampa. This has got to be, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the greatest days in my life. This is, this is the greatest moment in my life. Dad, I love you. Mr. Rocky Johnson. Speaking of future megastars like Rocky Maivia, Akeem Albrecht, the future Brackus, who we've mentioned before, uh, will be debuting soon as he's been working house shows with Salvatore Sincere. Dave hears that he has a tremendous attitude, which is the exact opposite he's been hearing about that Mark Henry character. <laughs> so I guess we'll probably uh, not see very much of Henry, and Brackus is about to be a major name in sports entertainment. So we'll just have to keep our eyes and ears on those two. <laughs> I just thought that was... That was funny to hear. And maybe Henry did have a shit attitude, and Akeem Albrecht had a great attitude. Uh, turns out attitude's not everything. <laughs> right. And uh, I remember, and on Raw, they were showing that, that there's that Survivor Series match that's going yeah. that has Rocky Maivia in it. And they, it just kind of seems weird because they indicate that he's, like, wrestling already, but he hasn't made his, like, WWF debut, right. as far as I know. Unless no, it's the, it's the little pre- debut vignettes they like to do giving you the idea of what a guy's character is yeah because that it's um it that's him and mark henry um and the stalker and other guys are involved I don't oh in that eight man in the survivor series match yeah 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 on raw they actually showed a match graphic for it now that you mention it yeah yeah th- that it was that point when they meant they mentioned rocky maivia as yeah. though he had already debuted uh, i think it's just that the character has been on yeah that's okay what, yeah Chris Candido was asked to help train newcomers to WWF uh, but was and was told that they had no further plans to use him, at least immediately, on television. So he chose, instead of being a trainer, to quit to head back to ECW. Oh, okay. He debuted for ECW, or re-debuted, maybe, would be a better way to say it, at the October 26th house show at the ECW Arena, beating Spike Dudley in what was said to be a good match. He was very over with the crowd, who was chanting, Skip is dead. I think it's helpful to mention that they, at this time, like WCW and WWF, like really didn't have like these no-compete clauses. Yes, or sometimes I know that they would have things where they would say, you can't go to just the other big promotion. Right. That's why a lot of guys went to ECW first okay, uh, as a way of just riding out the time until they could go to the bigger competitor. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that was the case for Chris Candido, who was never a major character, but he was allowed to go straight back to ECW. Okay. Uh, so he cut a promo after the match in which he started as a babyface, running down the WWF, which is the way to be a babyface in ECW, <laughs> right? and saying that he was there for the birth of ECW before he turned heel mid-promo, saying that nowadays ECW is the shits and that he has only come back to try to rebuild it. <laughs> I, I wish he would have said the shits. So I got some other info on that uh, ECW show from October 26th, Dave. Okay. Uh, first is that the Sandman retained his ECW championship against Two Cold Scorpio. And afterward, his son, uh, you may remember last we heard about his son, uh, Tyler, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were estranged due to the meddlesome uh, Raven. 
Oh, Raven. So Tyler comes out. He's dressed like the Sandman, not like Raven. Mm-hmm. And he gives his dad a big hug. It's a great moment. And then all of a sudden, the Sandman gets caned on the head by Raven, uh, who you may remember left the promotion for personal reasons. He was having unspecified personal issues. He abdicated the ECW title. Okay. Uh, he left the promotion. So he re- he comes back. This is his shocking comeback. Uh, I think the idea is that Tyler was like bait. Yeah. So he he hits the shit out of the Sandman with the cane. And then uh, you want to know what he does? He DDTs him. He crucifies him. Oh, yeah. He brings him outside of the ring. Uh-huh. Uh, the flock or whatever they're called in ECW. I think the flock. The they, they come down to the ring. They help him get a big cross out from under the ring. They <laughs> tie the Sandman to it with like barbed wire. Who? Who? No one noticed his cross? No one had any questions about this thing under the ring? <laughs> well, Paulie swears that he didn't know about it. <laughs> right. Oh, um, well, that's that's trustworthy. Yeah, mostly he has to swear uh, that because a young man by the name of Kurt Angle mm. happened to be in the building. Yeah, he, I, I knew this angle. I didn't yeah. realize it was like, I thought it was earlier in the year. To be sure. Honest. Yeah. Yeah. So Kurt Angle, who is being wooed by both WCW and WWF, he's interested in maybe going to ECW. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a Pittsburgh native, not far from the Philly home. Yeah. So he knows a lot of these guys. I think Taz was the one who brought him in there in the first place, I believe. Might be wrong about that. And he's told it's the coolest place to go for <laughs> cool wrestlers. So he specifically told Heyman. I know you guys are kind of an edgy product. If I'm going to be there and you're kind of men- and it, it was promoted that he was there and stuff. Yeah. Said there cannot be absolutely anything that is going to embarrass me or like hurt my <laughs> reputation. And so when this happens, he's fucking furious. He's <laughs> Paul's like, don't worry. Nothing like that's going to happen. Yeah. Not even for a second. <laughs> He's uh, standing next to Joey Styles. Joey Styles says he starts just screaming at Joey Styles about it. Styles like, I had no idea this was going to happen. <laughs> right. And Joey Styles is like a uh, conservative Christian guy. Yeah. So I'm sure that he didn't know it was going to happen, or he wouldn't. Uh, have, he would have been pissed off. Although, if I was Kurt Angle, I would. I would think that Joey Styles knew something. Sure, it's fair that he did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so he flees the building, not wanting to be associated <laughs> with it at all. Yeah. Polly swears up and down that he didn't know anything about it, and then to try to help the situation a little bit, Heyman tries to make Sandman and Raven go out after intermission, because this all happened pre-intermission. <laughs> cool, cool. To go out after intermission and apologize. Uh, Sandman says, no. <laughs> I've been crucified. Yes. I know that like you didn't like it, but it really kills everything if I just walk out there. Yeah. So instead, Raven has to go out and give an apology. And then Paulie makes me go back out and apologize, which to me was the stupidest thing you could do. But he he was trying. I mean, honestly, the only reason Paulie did it was because he was trying to woo Kurt. So then they talked. Uh, they they got Scotty to go out and apologize afterwards, which I thought which I thought was a crock of shit. Which the one thing that 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 really pissed me off that we had worked to this point to get to this angle, and then um and and then he's he's gonna come out and apologize afterwards. I mean, Raven apologizing. I mean, come on, he could kick my son and he could knock my son over. My son could be on the way to the hospital. Raven would apologize to me be like, ah, my bad. Apparently, Todd Gordon and Paul Heyman, by acting without their knowledge, are offended at my use of religious iconography. And apparently, I've offended quite a few people in the audience. The people were really disappointed in the apology 
which I made as insincere as possible. You know, I said, make sure it's sincere. So I tried to be sincerely insincere. Well, you people chose to respect Scott Levy's privacy when I needed a personal time. And so I choose to respect your privacy and your religious, religious beliefs. And so for the people who I deeply offended, I apologize. Uh, where he introduces himself as Scott Levy and mm. says like, hey, you all gave me respect when I needed personal time and I need to give you guys respect and say that if anyone was offended by the use of religious iconography, uh, I'm sorry. And he's pissed. He hates it. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 pretty funny because Raven, like, at least at the point where they're shooting the shoot interview years later, is insisting that it was the right kind of heat. Multiple other people, including like ECW wrestlers, are like, it was every people were offended. This was not good heat. Like, <laughs> nobody liked it. The only two people who really stand by it are the Sandman and Raven. The Sandman built the cross himself because oh, he's a carpenter. Is like, that's his day job. So, Sandman, uh, when Raven got the idea, he asked Sandman, like, will you build a cross so I can crucify you on it? And he was like, fuck yeah. He's what? like, come right up. <laughs> And I don't even, to me, it's not even, it's weird that like so many people are offended. Yeah. I think it's more just dumb. Well, it's funny because um, someone makes the point in the video, I believe it's the Sandman, makes the point like, did Kurt Angle cry to Vince McMahon when The Undertaker crucified Steve Austin two years later uh-huh. when uh, Angle was contracted to the WWF at the time? No, of course he didn't. You know, it's, 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 it's people pick and choose that stuff and it's a little ridiculous. Is that the Sandman in his, like, not mad mode sort of thing? He actually thinks it's funny. <laughs> he's he's not mad, and he's laughing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's probably the most notable, uh, just kind of in wrestling lore thing that happened this week. Now, we've talked another thing that is probably as huge. It's just not maybe uh, in this country as much. We've talked a little bit about Triple A. And they're how they're about to split into two. Yeah, uh, that has pretty much happened now. As Conan's group, including himself and pretty much every luchador that we've seen on WCW, yep. plus a lot that we have not, have left to form their own promotion, Promo Azteca. Now it's not exactly brand new, as they're taking over the existing Promotora Mexicana de Lucha Libre or Promel. Mm-hmm. So that's an existing promotion. They're kind of like merging with it with a lot of these new stars. And the idea, at least uh, Dave thinks that it's going to be, that they're going to be distinct brands. So you're going to have Promel and Promo Azteca, okay. sort of like Raw and SmackDown, where it's one company running two different styles. Yeah. Uh, so that's the way that he sees it happening. In a surprise move, this new roster is going to include the huge CMLL star Vampiro, with whom Conan has not always had the best relationship. Uh, apparently Dave says they've buried the hatchet because they basically they realize if they tag they're huge stars if they tag together they can make a shit ton of money yeah I was about to say that their eyes turned to like big dollar signs (laughs) yes this new group gave a press conference which included some blistering heat such as Mascara Sagrada claiming that AAA owner Antonio Pena wasted the name that he'd worked so hard to create uh, the name of Mascara Sagrada uh-huh. by uh, creating Mascara Sagrada Jr. with a young, untalented wrestler that Pena was allegedly having an affair with. 
I, I was waiting for the juicy part to come. <laughs> nice. Now, this all comes a mere four years after AAA was founded when Pena, CMLL's top booker, and Conan, one of CMLL's top stars, broke off to form their own promotion. Oh, okay. So Conan has a way of uh, being with a group for a while, getting big, and then leaving to do his own thing, and then having problems with that, and then leaving to do his own thing. <laughs> right. Now, Pena did what he could to keep his roster in place, saying that he was going to get the WCW connection away from Conan. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck when Conan has Rey Mysterio as part of his group. I and, think, <laughs> And when Conan also wrestles for WCW. Yes. I mean, like, I think they could take or leave Conan mm-hmm. for a bunch of Lucha guys, but I think they know they have something special in Rey. Yeah. And Rey can speak English, which is huge. Like, there's no way they're giving up the access to Rey Mysterio yeah. for the older generation of stars that Pena is still working with. Right. That that ain't happening. Yep. Pena also says that uh, Conan and some of his other wrestlers have contracts with Televisa, the network that airs AAA, and that Televisa is going to be suing all of them for breach of contract. Mm, good luck. Meanwhile, back north of the border, far, far north where it's icy cold, Glacier will be back in a few weeks. <laughs> Nice. See where I was going with that now? <laughs> yes. Uh, apparently, they they want to change his routine a little bit. They've ordered some more multicolored lights for his ring entrances. I swear to God, that's in the Observer. <laughs> that they're waiting. They've ordered these lights, and they're just waiting on them coming from the store. <laughs> Once these lights get here, you guys, he's going to be... We're going to be all set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, over on Livewire, the WWF, like, kind of call-in show that where they've got uh vic venom and Sonny's like hosting it yeah. i think jr's on there uh, so a few weeks back dwayne johnson was on like yep. i think they were that was one of the ways they were introducing the character or something mm. so a caller called in and asked about racism in the wwf and uh rocky said that there wasn't any racism in the wwf it's been solved yeah so uh the caller was actually kevin dunn <laughs> oh Wait, what? Yeah, he was a WWF employee calling up and pretending to ask a question to set up a black guy saying there is no racism. Oh. It was just... Oh, so they thought it was a good idea. Yes. Oh. It was Kevin Dunn just in like, you know, backstage in an office going like, (laughs) this is Steve from Cincinnati. I hope it's like it's like that double echo because like he's in the next room. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So I just thought that was funny, especially because it's Kevin Dunn, a known shithead. Livewire. Is Livewire on the network? No. Is there a clip? Have you? Did you find a clip of that? That sounds funny. I have not even looked. I'm going to find it. Yeah, please do. Ric Flair uh, had surgery this week, so I believe that, okay, so if it's Monday the 28th, I think it was Wednesday the 30th that he had the surgery finally. Okay. Next week's Nitro is going to begin a tournament to crown the new WCW Women's Champion. Any guesses who might win that tournament? Because I, I don't want to spoil anything, but my money is on the only contracted woman wrestler in the company. I feel like I know the answer to that, and it's not the DC. Really? Oh, interesting. Well, um, just when you think they're going to zig, they zag. Listen, we're going to try to do something with Medusa. I mean, I'm not. Gonna, we're not going to make her wrestle Sherry again. Sure. So we have nothing, because we have no other women? Yeah, I don't know. No other women wrestlers, for sure. Yeah, it was mostly the names that he had in the Observer were mostly Japanese women that they were just bringing in for this tournament, including, uh, and I forget if it's a future Observer where it does happen, I was reading the results, but he at least says at one point the plan was for Akira Hokuto to 
wear a mask in a match and not in another and essentially be in the the tournament as two people (laughs) wow it's not it's not going well all right well that is all the news in the observer this week uh so dave i don't have a name for this segment or we don't even have to call it a segment but i thought one thing we could do in these episodes is talk about something in wrestling uh, that excites us and i don't care if it's something in the past i don't want it to be related to the nitros the raws we talk about that's all but it could be mm-hmm. something it could be anything in nitro or excuse me <laughs> anything in wrestling mm-hmm. exciting you right now so here's i'm gonna start okay uh the thing that is exciting me in wrestling right now is all of the wcw names that i'm gonna be able to get autographs from this year as as you know i started off at starcast last year collecting a bunch actually before that it was when we went to that show um up in tower minnesota mm-hmm. and met the nwo and eric bischoff and got their autographs so kind of started a thing where i was getting those prints by uh art with heisty is the the guy's online handle yeah um so this year gonna be able to meet sting Mm-hmm. He's at Starcast, although I think I'll probably actually meet him at the the. They're doing another show up in Tower, Minnesota, yeah. this year, and I imagine he'll be cheaper there than he will be at Starcast. I think that's a good guess. Yeah. So we've got Sting, we've got Ultimo Guerrero, and Sonny Ono will be at Fortune Bania in Tower, Minnesota. Ultimo Dragon. What did I say? Guerrero. Ultimo Guerrero. Yeah, I meant Ultimo Dragon. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, at Starcast, we've got Ric Flair. Uh, we've got, I'm just scrolling down. We got Bret Hart. So we've got two WCW champions. Wait, are we, we're talking about StarCast again? Yep. Okay. I'm just talking about guys we're going to meet this year. Yeah. So we've got Ric Flair. We've got Bret Hart. We've got Sting. We've got Ultimo Dragon. We've got Sonny Ono. We've got Barry Windham. I'm just looking through the list here of guys that I haven't met. We've got Terry Funk, Jerry Lynn, Rob Van Dam. Not a dis- WCW guy. And because it's uh, this all adds up, I don't like spending the money on the non WCW guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Van Dam, I think I'll make an exception for. Yeah, Laparka, I'm very excited, mm-hmm. <laughs> very excited to meet Laparka. It's very funny to the, the idea of paying money to take a picture with a guy wearing a mask. Yeah, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's totally him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It could just be any fat guy. <laughs> it could be. It could be a thing where, like, if you if you like looked online long enough, you yeah. would see that Laparka is doing. Like autograph signings in like three different cities that weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then they're not added to the uh, Starcast website yet. I was trying to look up some of the guys they added yesterday because they started finally announcing some of their more like B and C level gets. Mm-hmm. But you've got uh, Scott Norton. Yep. You've got Greg, Greg the Hammer Valentine. They sure do. Very excited about that. What was the other one we were talking about? Uh, yesterday I was I was messaging you and I could tell that you were not nearly as excited as I was about these old. I parts. was watching a movie. Yes. Oh, is that was going on? <laughs> I was like, "That's wonderful. That I'm very happy for All you." All right. Well, hang on. I'll edit out <laughs> the silence as I look, but I want to see who that was. I'm going to look through our messages. Oh yes, Vampiro. That's a big one for me. Oh, that's one I replied to because I was like, "Oh yeah, he's an asshole." Uh, and the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. So it is a it's a bunch of like. The f- the funnier it is to meet them, the like more excited I am to be honest. Plus, the guys like the Rock and Roll Express are going to be like half the price as everyone else. So I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like another WCW uh, autograph well, I can get, and, and I'm also, just excited. It also seems like that um, there's been a couple of things that we've gone to like this where it's like 
they're specifically people that are on these nitros. Yes, exactly. Like the Rock and Roll Express. Like, who would have guessed that they were going to be at that show? Right. Yes. So all the past stars of WCW that I'm going to be meeting over the next few months, that is the thing about wrestling that I'm excited about Mm -hmm. right now. Second place, and I don't want to talk forever, so I won't go into it. I went to a house show this past Saturday with my son. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. House yeah. shows are fun. Go to house shows. They're so much more fun than going to a Raw or SmackDown. It's mm. not even close. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I didn't realize that, that WWE in 2019 does intermissions during house shows. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, probably a merch thing. It probably Wait, gets people no, out. No, I think, I think it's a good reason. It just yeah. it just seems like a an old-timey sort of thing to do. But, yeah. But it, because it wasn't like, didn't, didn't Daniel Bryan wrestle before intermission? He did, yeah. It so, was great. It was so good. Although at that point, it's like, we already got your ticket money and stuff like yeah. that. So if you fuck off now, who cares? I was a little disappointed because, well, I was disappointed in two things. One, they advertised the New Day was going to be there. And then the day before the event, I saw them tweeting that the New Day was going to be in India. And I was like, well. India, that's way, that's not even close to being there. They got really lost, Dave. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so that was disappointing because Kofi Kingston's so hot right now. Um, also, Becky wasn't on the show. That sucked. But they hadn't advertised her, so that I wasn't right. super upset yeah. about that. The the thing that disappointed me, though, they said that Daniel Bryan would face AJ Styles, mm-hmm. which I was very much looking forward to. Instead, he faced Mustafa Ali. That was a great match. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really care about that. But it would have been fun to say that I saw Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. Yeah. That's probably not something I'll ever be able to say I saw live and in person. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so what in, what in wrestling uh, has excited you recently? Um, well, it's, it's, it's sort of like, it's on the same lines as far as like Starcast is coming up. I was super, cause, uh, a few years ago I had the opportunity to try to meet Bret Hart and then he ended up canceling, um, cause he was going to be at like a, a, a regional MMA show that I was going to go to in, um, in Wisconsin Ah, and he was a guest there, but then I think he had like health issues and wasn't able to go. So, oh, sure. uh, and he, and he's like the, the, the number one, the biggest, like, childhood name of mine especially with wrestling and to and i've never met him before and it's even weirder because my parents have met him (laughs) (laughs) that is funny because they that's how they got his uh signed book for me oh sure yeah Uh, and i was like it was one of those things was like it's really cool to have a book but then like i saw the picture of them meeting yeah yeah (laughs) yeah. it's like thanks (laughs) yeah i have Bret hart's uh autograph on a WWF magazine that he wrote to Vince Russo. Yeah. Uh, which is a funny thing to, and it's him in, on the set of Lonesome Dove. So he's not even like wearing cool Hitman gear. He's wearing like an yeah. old West outfit. There's no, you can't find Lonesome Dove, but I've always wanted to see how those performances were. Yeah, we should see if we could find it, uh, do a bonus episode, but that'll be a few years. When we get I would there. definitely do a bonus episode of Lonesome Dove. Yeah. Um, All right. It won't be a few years because that. That already took place by 1996, right? Yeah, I think it was even 95. Yeah, so we we could find that now. Yeah, we could do it anytime. Ha ha. Uh, ha ha. But um, yeah. So there's all these guys that were able to meet at Starcast, but I'll be able to check a few of them off the list in a few weeks because I am going to Chicago to C2E2. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, um, in which um, it's going to be. Uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are going to do like you can do a photo with all three of them for. It's it's gonna be a little bit spendier, but I'd be like, oh, it'd be nice to meet them and then have them off the list before. Yeah. and then it's so crazy to think that you and me met the Young Bucks in before an ROH show for like fifteen dollars. <laughs> like, yeah, and it was it was like five years. It wasn't that long ago. 
And not only that, one of those shows that we went to, we I had the opportunity to and just completely ignored AJ Styles. Yeah, there was, and we were not the only ones. There was no line for AJ Styles. Right, which, this, I, which I felt guilty about until like a month ago because yeah. he's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure, as like a as person. A per- as a person. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. great wrestler, yeah, terrible yeah. person. But um, but I'm also really excited for the C2E2 for the fact that there is a, a few people, a few Futurama uh, alumni that are going to be there. Sure. Um, That's exciting. Uh, John DiMaggio, I think, is going to be at a thing here uh, oh, this yeah? summer. Yeah. I forget what they're called. Galaxy Con, I think it's called. That that sounds like a thing that could be. The only wrestler at Galaxy Con is Dave Batista, but he is uh, he's on the list. Oh, so I'm going to add another thing that, that I really liked this week that was in wrestling, and that was the interview that Dave Batista did, that he said that The Rock was not a good actor, <laughs> <laughs> which I which I like because I'm like, and I've said this since uh, since uh, Blade Runner yeah. 2049, I'm like, Dave Batista is a better actor than sure. The Rock, even though, even though it's kind of like The Rock has a different approach. He's just, he's doing, he's like a big action star. He's not trying to win an Academy Award or or. Or yeah, do, like learn the method or anything like that. Sure. Whereas Dave Bautista talks about how he likes doing like these character actor things. Yeah. He looks for certain directors that he wants to work with. And like, I'm, I'm fucking psyched that he's going to be in this Dune movie. That's sure. Be yeah. Out. Yeah. Yeah. This like super stacked Dune movie. Yeah. But the fact that he like kind of was like, no, the rock's not a good actor. Yeah. I'm the good actor. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was almost like a wrestling promo about acting, which I really liked. I like Dave Batista as long as it's not dealing with wrestling. Pretty oh, much. sure, sure, sure. The last thing I want to do uh, is to take us all the way to next week so that the next time that you hear us talk about Nitro, you'll be all cut up, is I want to run through a little bit of the syndication results from next weekend in wrestling. Okay, okay. Starting with Saturday morning, November 2nd. That's uh, Saturday morning is when WCW main event airs. Mm-hmm. And on the main event... Uh, on November 2nd, Chris Jericho defeated Grim- Jimmy Graffiti and Ron Studd defeated Roadblock in a match that I actually watched. It's on YouTube. Uh-huh. I watch it because those are two huge dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was taped in Rochester, Minnesota when they were here doing Nitro, whatever that was last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so it's not a great match, but it's two giant guys and they're at the same time. The lone real high spot is Big Ron Studd drop kicking. Uh, roadblock out of the ring, nice over the top rope. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, so you can find that if you look. So it's on like the, it's like main event, but you can tell it's like in the nitro sized arena. Or no, because it was in Rochester. They they did the show in Mankato. Oh, so it was like the house show. It was yeah. They did like a house show and they taped a few matches for their syndicated shows. Oh, all right. Yep. Cool. I believe they also taped a Saturday night episode in Rochester. Okay. Uh. But I think that was the one that aired last week. This week, Saturday night, which aired November 2nd, uh, I think came from Rome, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. And the results were Chavo Guerrero uh, fighting Pat Tanaka to a no contest. Eddie Guerrero defeating Jimmy Graffiti. The Barbarian and Meng defeating Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. Joe Gomez beating the Cheetah Kid, as we mentioned, that's uh, King Curtis Iakea's real son, the real Prince Iakea. Oh, yeah. Yep. Kevin Sullivan and Big Bubba defeated Jack Boot and Chavo Guerrero. Uh, Jack Boot is the leprechaun uh, Sergeant oh, Buddy Lee Parker. Yep. His his new gimmick, his military gimmick. 
Jeff Jarrett defeated John Tenta, who is apparently still employed and knocking huh. about. Good for That's him. why I like these syndication reports, because we're going to hear names that we just don't hear very much. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to watch Saturday Night when I can. I have them. I have all the 96 ones anyway, uh, but it's on a computer that is currently dissembled and not plugged in. Hmm. Uh, the WCW TV champion, Lord Steven Regal, defeated Bobby Eaton. So that probably was the culmination of their little feud. Uh, oh sure yeah they never even they didn't even get their blow off on nitro unfortunately chris benoit with woman defeated chris jericho and on uh the nwo saturday night segment the giant defeated pat tanaka in an empty arena <laughs> that was filmed uh before the nitro that we just reviewed so before they let anyone in the building early in the day when they had the ring built they just filmed an empty arena match it was you know a quick squash yeah um so nwo saturday night still a thing still going on uh, Sunday, they've got WCW Pro and WCW Worldwide, uh, but I left my iPad upstairs with those tabs open, and it's just not important enough to... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I, it's our first e- episode, and I probably shouldn't kill the gimmick this quickly, but it's Pro and Worldwide. Uh, no one's dying without those results. Right. So th- that's everything that happened the week in wrestling. That brings us all the way up till Monday, November 4th, 1996. That is the next time that you will hear from us as we review that episode of Nitro right here where the big boys play. 20 years of Nitro.